As you open up your Bibles this morning in uh, John chapter 6, verse 20, we are following Christ. And see how He reacts in a certain situation. And we learn by that. Oh, I can learn a lot of things from the Lord Jesus Christ, yes? I can learn more and more and more, and I'll tell you what I'll learn until the day I die. To follow Him, to worship Him, and the best place is to be in His hands. We've ended a miracle last week. We saw the 5,000 being fed. And this morning, we're going to talk about His words, which is written in John 6, verse 20. But He said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. It is I. It means somebody is there for you. It is somebody who came to these disciples in the darkest moment of their lives with death staring at them. And those words cried out in the night, It is I. This morning, that is the same words that needs to cry out in this world. This world needs Christ. This world needs somebody to cry out, It is I. But I want to tell you something this morning. That voice hasn't been dampened. That voice is still crying out, It is I. The problem is with the hearing. The problem is with people don't want to hear that anymore. You stand up and you proclaim Christ and they say, Away with this man. Away with this woman. We don't want to hear that Jesus thinks. And they don't realize they are sitting in turmoil. They're sitting in sickness. They're sitting in pain. And that's the only one, the only one, who can walk into your circumstances and say, It is I who is here. It is wonderful. It is wonderful for the person who needs this to hear those words. And then he says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear is gripping this world. And you know what fear does? Fear paralyzes faith. It paralyzes it. If fear grabs a hold of your heart, you can't have faith anymore. Well, you do have it, but it, it is blurred in your vision. You can't see it anymore. You see, fear makes you see things which are not there. Fear makes you think things which is not there. Fear blows it up bigger than it is. And it's when you are blind to faith that fear reigns. But in the midst of fear, the Son of God, the Son of Man walks in and He says, It is I. He's got all the answers. Do you know that? He knows about your problems even before they happen. Did you know that? He knows what tomorrow is bringing. And because he lives, what can happen? I can face tomorrow. And this is where we find our Lord this morning. We find him in a position where he said these words to these men. Now let's get into the word. John chapter 6 verse 15. He says, Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, what did he do? 
He didn't say, yes, yes, take me, I want to be king. No, no, no. The word says that he departed again. He departed again to the mountain by himself. It is fascinating when we look at our Lord and the way that he reacts in circumstances. These days, if people want to grab you and make you king, what is the world doing these days? Oh yes, I'm the man. Follow me. I will bring the answers to you. I am the light that's shining. Even in the church today, you find it so many times. You find people and they get a little bit of a following and all of a sudden the head explodes. Have you seen that? Boop! They become so important, they haven't got time for you. They haven't got time to do what Jesus did, to walk slowly through the people and to listen to what they want and what they need. Oh no, these days if somebody is a little bit successful, no, no, we want to put them onto pedestals. Not only, listen, this is what happens there. The people saw the miracle. 5,000 people got food while Jesus prayed over them. And what did the people wanted to do? You see, it is an old thing. It happened in the Old Testament. People want to have a king. They don't want to have God. They want to have a king, a man, a person who they can bow to. But there's only one that you can bow to and His name is our Heavenly Father and our our God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus do? He departed. He went to the mountains again. You see, this is the thing that happens over and over again. Look at it in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 36. We read about two men who didn't do what Jesus did. And let's see what happened to them. For some time ago, this is Acts 5.36, Theodos rose up. You see what he do? He rose up. What did Jesus do? He departed. This man rose up. And what did he do? Claimed to be somebody. Hallelujah. Claimed to be somebody. Who are you? Man, I'm somebody. When we stand in a queue, all you little men, you stand in that queue. I stand in my own queue. I'm somebody. Oh, we like it to be important, isn't it? This theater thought he was important. And what happened? A number of men, about 400, whoo, that's a big crowd, joined him. So he had joined us there. But what happened to him? He was slain. He was slain. And what happened to those people who followed him? It says it right there. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing came to nothing. Let me tell you today, all man's efforts will come to nothing. That is why I say time and time and again, I see it as a privilege to preach the Word to you. It's no right for me to stand here. And my work is not to get you to follow me. I point towards Christ as did Paul, as did Peter, as did James, as did John. You don't belong to me. You belong to God. And it's only my privilege here this morning to share His Word with you. And this is what these men did. They thought it was all about them. But man's efforts will come to nothing. There was another man in verse 37. After this, you see, one would have think that the people will learn the lesson. But we don't, do we? Oh, no, but look, let, let, let's look at this. We are compared to sheep in the Bible. Have you noticed that? 
bear sheep. And what does sheep do? They're not very clever, are they? Sheep follow somebody else every single time. But instead of following the master, they want to follow man. And here happens the same thing. After this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. Many people followed again a man. And what happened? He perished. The same thing happens over and over again. He perished. And what happened to the people? All who obeyed him, the same as they did with this guy over here, were dispersed. They scattered. Friends, let us follow the one who's got true life in him and his name is Jesus Christ. I want to declare to you this morning Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected. He is the mighty God, isn't it? You see, when Jesus came and he stood in front of Pilate, he said these words in John 18 verse 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. And you know what I say? I say, praise the Lord! Because all the kingdoms of the world, like this guy understood theaters, and like Judas understood, came to nothing. Came to nothing. America will come to nothing. Britain came to nothing. Australia will come to nothing. And it's nothing, nothing, nothing of no substance versus the substance of Jesus Christ. You want me to get excited? Don't get excited about this world and its things. Get excited about Jesus Christ and Him. He says to Pilate, who thought, look, Pilate thought he was a very high man and he was honored as a very influential man in his day, but he met the King of Kings. Yes. And know this, while he was alive, Jesus stood there and people expected Jesus to bow at him. One day my Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Yes, so better do it now. He says it right there, my kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said to him. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Look, it's not our work to fight. Can I say that again? It is not the church's work to fight. I hear so many times people say, no, 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 the church needs to take over the government and we need to rule the world and we need to build a kingdom. I want to say it right now. That kingdom will come to nothing. I'm not into kingdom now or dominionism or any of those nonsense or rubbish. You know what I'm into? I'm into Jesus Christ's kingdom. Yes, that comes to something. The others comes to nothing. He says, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. I love it. You know, Jesus had the, had the greatest opportunity. He had 5,000 people who wanted to make him king. That is more than this guy had Judas. Yes, he had 400. This other guy, Judas from Galilee, he only had many people. But Jesus starts only the men. If you go to Mark, you will see it's only the men who were counted. But then there were the women and the children as well. So he had a multitude if Jesus could on that day turn around and say, yes, make me king, there would have been a rebellion and a bloodbath like never before. Oh yes, the bloodbath came, but it came after this moment. 70 AD. Jesus 
departed again to the mountain by himself. Now you might ask, what did he go and do on the mountain? He went alone by himself. Why did Jesus go up the mountain by himself? It says it in Matthew 14. Because if you look at Matthew 14 and Mark 6, we find the same storm that happened, the same event, and we learn more from them as well. In Matthew 14, verse 23, he says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to do what? To pray. You see, his kingdom is a kingdom of prayer. Do you love to pray in this world? If you don't like praying, you're entering a kingdom of prayer. Prayer gives answers, yes? If you've got problems in your life, don't run frantically around trying to get counselors or psychologists or any like. No, no, no. Go to Jesus by prayer. Jesus himself shows us the way here. He goes to pray. Mark writes the same thing. He says immediately after his disciples got in the boat, he departed to the mountain to pray. I wonder what Jesus prayed. The Bible is full of the prayers of Jesus, yes? You know, the disciples came to him one day and they said, teach us to pray, and he gave them the Our Father. Now, a lot of people repeat the Our Father word by word. That's not what he meant. He just showed them how to pray. But there are many other prayers in the Bible. Now, when Jesus went onto the mountain, the disciples went away. He was alone. Look, there's many times that you need to go alone and be alone with God. Away from the family. Go away and just pray to God. Talk to Him. Person to person. I believe that when He prayed, He he thanked the Father and giving the Father glory for the miracle that just happened. I believe that absolutely. I've got no... And look, I'm going to be in heaven one day and I'll sit down with Jesus and say, Jesus, this is not written in the Bible that I followed so religiously or so avidly. But that prayer that you prayed on the mountain, what did you pray? But you know what? When I'm going to be with Jesus, it's not going to matter what he prayed on that mountain. But I believe he prayed and thanked the Father. Are you still thanking the Father for every day that you're alive? Are you still thanking the Father for everything that you've got? You see, he was the example in that. I believe he thanked the Father for that 5,000. I believe he said, Father, thank you that your glory has been shown to man. Give the glory to God. He didn't take the glory. I believe he prayed for his disciples for faith in that prayer on the mountain. I also believe that he prayed for the Gentile unbelievers. And the other Jews who were there who didn't believe him, who only came for the signs. You say, where do you get that? Well, I find in John 17, which is well after this, I get that, but it gives us an idea of the prayers of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that John 17, and we're going to get there in a few weeks or a few months, it doesn't matter, we're going to get there, but he prays three prayers. He prays for himself, thanking the Father and glorifying the Father. He prays for his disciples and he prays for the unbelievers. So he went up onto the mountain and he prayed. So we get to John chapter 16. And now we see a scene developing. John chapter 6, 16, he says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into the boat and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And when it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. I want you to look at specific things here. It says that when evening came. 
You and I understand when evening came is when the sun goes down. You can still see a few things. But then it became dark. Have you been out in the dark? I remember in my army days, we were down in Ochoa in South Africa and we were still unlearned and untrained and everything. It was within the first three months and they, they marched us out into the field and there was a little hill and they sat us down there and they let us sat just there in the heat and, and they said, look at the mountain. Make mental notes, they said. And honestly, I was looking at trees and there was bushes and everything. It was really hot in those days out in Ochoa. It feels as if the soil underneath you is baking you like a muffin. It gets really hot there. And we were sitting there and sitting there. It was felt, felt like four hours. And then the sun started to set behind this little hill. And they said, look at things. Keep on looking. And we kept on looking and looking. It was day. And then the sun dipped behind it and, and it started to getting darker. You see, evening came. And then it was dark. And they said, you guys remember that tree on top of that hill? We couldn't see it then. We were going to leopard crawl up to that tree. You know what leopard crawl is? For those people who don't know army, is you flatten your belly, you've got your rifle in your arms, and you go on your, on your elbows. You crawl up that mountain. But this was another thing they said. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to see you. It was supposed to take an hour. Five hours later, we haven't reached the tree. After midnight, they had to send search squads out because the people passed the tree. In daytime, when you see something, at nighttime it looks different. This is a spiritual thing that happened to a lot of people as well. When evening and darkness come upon people, things change. Things who were so clearly before is not clear anymore. You thought you know what was going to happen and it happened totally different. This is how we are made. We don't know the future. And you know, I'm just quite happy not knowing the future because the future lies in Him. And then it says in verse 18, Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So now I want you to think about this. There was a great wind blowing and it's dark. And the wind was blowing against them. Things went from bad to worse quite quickly. And this is often time how it happens in your lives. You know, when things happen and they get bad, it can get bad quickly and worse more quicker. In Mark chapter 6 verse 48, we, we see the same thing happen. He says, then he saw them straining at rowing. These people are straining, they were rowing. They couldn't put out their sails, this wind was too strong. So now they had to get onto those oars and start working those waves and going against the waves. They keep on, keep on plugging and blowing on. A lot of people in life go through troubles and that's how they feel. They go, and I've heard it, people say it. A lot of people have said it to me. It feels as if I'm taking two steps forward and three back. Have you heard that before? The same thing happens here. These men are straining against it. You know what straining is? It takes effort. It burns. The muscles start to burn. The eyes is full of salt water. You can't see clearly now anymore. 
You can't see. I mean, it is just waves upon waves and it's not just a wind. It is up and down. And then there's water coming in. Everybody is saturated in water. It's soaking wet. It is unpleasant circumstances. They keep on straining on and straining on and pushing against the waves. Friends, that explains a lot of people that I see these days. For the wind was against him, he says in Mark, in Matthew 14, 24, he says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, and it says it was tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary, was against him. It was pushing so hard. Why? I mean, one of the disciples could sit in the boat and go, why this now, Lord? Have you heard people say that? It was going so well. We were on a high. We were rejoicing. We just saw Jesus making bread. We just saw Jesus multiplying two fish. Man, we can have a choir singing. We can sing and clap hands and hallelujah. I, I imagine them walk at when evening came to the boat and still talking about it. Could you believe that? Could you look at look 12 baskets full getting into the little boat and going, man, this is going to be a short trip because we're just going to discuss this whole thing and before long, we're in Capernaum. And getting out and sitting out and then all of a sudden that wind comes. After victory, there's always a test. Let me say it again. After a victory, watch out, there's always a test. Look at Genesis 14. Let's go there. I want to show you this. It's in the Old Testament as well. Genesis chapter 14, we find Abraham had a nephew. His name was Lot. You remember him? His nephew's name was Lot and he moved with Abraham. And then it says in Genesis chapter 14 that there were five kings against four kings who were going to make war against each other. Gideon Hamer was the one king. And these kings came together and the five kings made war against them. And it says in verse 14, Genesis 14, 14, uh, 12, they also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So the one king won and when he came in, he took all what Lot has and he departed with him. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, uh, he told him that they took uh, Lot, now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken in verse 14, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. 300 servants, they were not warriors. So he divided his forces, this is Abram, against them by night, and his servants attacked him and pursued him as far as Hobah. Verse 16, so he brought back, so Abram had won against him. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley. Now look at this in your Bible. At the valley of Shaveh, which is called King's Valley. You see what they wanted to do with Jesus? They wanted to make him a king. I find the Bible fascinating, don't you? Here in King's Valley, Abram comes back. He won the war which the king of Sodom lost. He comes back with all of the spoil in the King's Valley. And before he encountered the king of Sodom, he encounters Melchizedek. Mal 
at this point, Abraham could have said, look, I'm going to be king now. I've won this war. He could have taken that. The king comes to him, and this is the test for Abraham now. And verse 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I made Abraham rich. This is an important lesson for us. You see, this is how we become mature children of God. This is how we become that. It is blessings are balanced with burdens and with battles. That's what's making you mature. We're not only for the blessing. We know there is battles coming. We know there's tests coming. But watch out after the victory is a test. We saw that the same in Mark chapter 4 verse 35. After a great teaching, what is these men? They're all on a high and then they came into that first storm when Jesus was in the boat. Look at uh, John chapter 6 here. After the 5,000, what happened? They came into the storm. Look at uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 1. There's 5,000 who got saved. They grabbed these men, Gamaliel, he stood up and he talks, he says, let these men go. And what happened? After the 5,000 came to be saved, they were persecuted. Learn this lesson. After a victory, always be on your guard, be careful, there comes a test. The same as what happened to these men. Now let's continue to verse 8. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. There was a lot against these men. It was in the dark and Jesus was not with them. Jesus was on the mountain. I'm going to show you something beautiful here. The waves tossed them around. They can't go forward. But you know what I see? I don't see them afraid. Have you read that to that point? They kept on going. I asked myself the question. They came from that side they go to that side, to Capernaum. The wind is blowing against them. Why don't they just chuck it in? Why don't they just pull up the oars, turn the boats around, and let the wind blow them again back? Have you thought about that? No, but their master said to them, let's go to Capernaum. Their master gave them instruction. You see, uh, brothers and sisters, by this point in time, their faith has grown a little bit. But now the test comes again. Their faith came to a point. Let's go. I want you to go with me to the book of Mark. Let's have a look and see the first storm that happened. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, this happened before this one. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with them. In verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling with water. Where was Jesus? He was in the boat. But he was in the stern asleep, on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Now listen to his words. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, when the first storm happened, Jesus was in the boat. The water beat into the boat. They were fearful of what? Of the storm. But here, in verse 18, John 6, 18, Then the sea arose and came a great wind and was blowing. And I don't read that they were fearful. They kept on going against the waves. Why? Because Jesus said, we're going over. They responded on his command. I believe their faith has grown. But then something happened that didn't happen before. Have a look at verse 19. He says, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. You see that? And drawing near the boat, they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of the vision of Jesus. They recognized him. But you see, I believe there were no Sadducees around. Sad, you see, why? Because you remember the Sadducees didn't believe in afterlife. But there were a lot of them who believed, like the Pharisees, that there were apparitions going on. There were evil spirits on the water, especially the Jews. They didn't like the water. And they believed this was a ghost. In fact, it says it there. They saw Jesus coming on the water. And they believed that he was a ghost. And they were fearful, not of the waves. They were straining the waves. Their faith were built. They were going to get through this thing. By the mercy and the grace of our Lord, they were going to get through. But what happened here is they now saw Jesus. And they, they didn't... First of all, they go, who's this ghost? And that made them fearful. You see, the faith builds a little bit further on. But I want to talk about Jesus on the water. The question is, how on earth did this happen? How did Jesus walk on the water? Was it his body or was it the water? I remember in New Zealand there was a documentary once which they tried to work it out scientifically. <laughs> and you can't work out the Lord scientifically. But there I was, you know, and I thought, look, it's only going to be, I think it was 45 minutes, and I thought, okay, I've got better things to do, but let me listen to what they say. And man, they just couldn't, couldn't understand it. One man said, no, 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 he wasn't walking on water, it was just, there was uh, rocks just underneath the water, and the point and place, but he couldn't find it. He says, you know, the point and place where the boat was at that point in time, you know, Jesus was walking on, a, on, on you know, it's like a rift of rocks under the water. And then I'm thinking there, look, the wind was blowing, and I saw the wind when it blows in the sea. Then you're up and then you're down, and then you're up and then you're down. I mean, there's waves going up and down. So Jesus then was, you know, up to his waist in the water, then down. To, I, I just thought these things, you know, but, and I thought, he's such a clever guy. This guy's got a degree. I haven't got one, but I thought of that. And then somebody else, you know, said, but it was his body. It was in him. He was lifted up like five centimeters from the earth. Wherever he went, Jesus was just lifted up and he walked on air. Wherever he went. But you know, I've got a problem with that because he says Jesus became and he became a man like us. Just like us. 
You know, he wasn't this halo who was just going around. No, no, no. He felt the pain and everything like us. And somebody else started talking about the water. He says, by that time, you know, they were, you couldn't believe what they came out. They were blocked of ice because, and then he could walk on the ice. And I thought, wait a minute, you don't read the Bible because if you read earlier on, it says when he fed the 5,000, they were sitting on grass. It wasn't in the middle of winter. But here they were going on, and I thought, look, the Bible has got the answers on all of these things, doesn't it? And, I, and we went back, and let's have a look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 8. He says, and, with the, and this is, this Exodus 15, verse 8, was after they crossed the Red Sea, the nation, when God parted the sea. For look at this, it's fascinating. He says, and with the blast of your nostrils, the water were gathered together. The flood stood up right like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. And this makes me think about that. If you think about it, brother and sister, when they came before the Red Sea, and when the Lord blowed open the sea, it's not as if it's a, it's a highway built through the sea. Have you seen the bottom of the, of the sea? It is not level. How did this masses of people walk through? The Bible says they went through on dry land. I, I get that. They walked through on dry land. But how could they walk through if the sea underneath the surface is uneven? It would have taken them a long time to get through the unevenness. And even that, if they get to the other side, how did Pharaoh's, with his chariots, came and in the unevenness got through right into the middle and then, then he closed on them? How? You see, all these things we don't understand. We were not there. I wasn't there and I, by all I'm not trying to say I was there. But then I read this verse. And I go, wait a minute. He says, with the blast of your nostrils, the water were gathered together to the flood stood up right like a heap. The flood stood up right. But what about the deep, the abyss? This water there, the heart of the sea, comes from the word abyss. It's the deepest parts. And that word congealed means it became solid like concrete. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? You see, here's these people who spend money They've got doctors and professors trying to work out how Jesus did it. But in the Bible, it's happened before. Where people walk through, not on, but through. But with these deep parts, the, the water became like concrete. It became like dry land. It is fascinating, friends, the God that we serve. In Job chapter 9 verse 8, he says, He alone spreads out the heaven and threats on the waters of the sea. This is what Jesus did. He stretched on the waters of the sea. Look, this verse is still with me. I'm still blown away with that verse. Because now I realize that my Lord can walk on waters. He doesn't have to dry it out. Whether He walked and where He put His feet, it got congealed like cement. I don't know. But it happened. Does it matter where it happened? No, no. Everybody knows He walked on the water. And the Bible says he can do it. Second Kings chapter 6, 6. There's another miracle that happened in a similar way. There was this man who chopped with, a, with an axe, wood, and the axe fell into the water. And it's iron. What happens to iron? It sinks. And what happened? So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it into the water and it made the iron float. Have you seen that before? I haven't seen it, but I read about it. It's going to be fascinating when even one day, when we talk about these things. 
How wonderful it is. Jesus walked on that. Go and look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 8 this afternoon. And go and read it up and let the Lord bless you with that. So he says, so they were afraid when they saw him when he came near the ship, near the little boat they were in. They, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, he said, they cried out with fear. Let's look at verse 6, uh, verse 20 now. He says, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. That is our title. Friend, I want to encourage you this morning, do not be afraid. When he says it's I, that's present. He's present with us. In fact, when Moses came to him, and he, when he came to Moses and said to Moses, go tell the people, and Moses said, who shall I tell the people you are? What is your title? What is your name? What did Moses say? He said in, in Exodus chapter 3, 14, he says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He's a wonderful God. You know what is I am? It is present tense. That means, doesn't matter where you are, He's there for you. He's with you. He says, I am. And when He came to them in the, in the darkest hour, He says, it is I. In Acts chapter 7 verse 5, I want you to see this. When they got Stephen out and they wanted to stone him, he looks up into heaven in verse 55. He says, but he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Let me encourage you this morning. You remember where Jesus went when these boys went onto that boat? He went up onto the mountain. And they went onto the boat. And they went into the sea of life. We are into the sea of life. Our heavenly, our heavenly Father is sitting in heaven. And who's next to Him? Jesus Christ. He's on the mountain of God and He looks down at this point in time at you and my life. And sometimes there might be a sea going on in your life. You might be straining against it. But look, He's coming for you. He's looking out for you. In Hebrews, uh, we see it in chapter 4 verse 14. He says, seeing that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You remember those people making the documentary, the one guy said he lifted a little bit from the earth? He didn't read this verse. He were tempted like us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I prayed for you this morning. But you know what? My prayer is just a prayer that is words, that is voice. But our Heavenly Father is sitting next to Him, Jesus Christ. He intercedes for you daily. He prays for you daily. He prays, He cares for you. If you're in a sea of, of, of trouble, watch out, He's coming for you. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. I don't know what you're going to go through. We don't know what we're going to go through the next week. But it is I. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. But there's one thing, and we'll finally finish with this. 
In verse 21 he says, they were willingly receiving him into the boat. In fact, one of the versions says he, he walked as if he was going to pass them. He wasn't doing that. He was just seeing what they're going to react. And then he comes closer to them and he says, it's I. And you know what happens? They recognize his voice. They thought it was a ghost or somebody who was looking like Jesus. And when they feared the most, he spoke his words. He opened up his mouth and he said, it is I. And they recognized his voice. And when they recognized his voice, what happened? They willingly received him into the boat. It amazes me how people are in the boat of life and they will not receive Jesus willingly. And immediately, I love this. You see, this is the fastest motorboat on the planet. It says, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. Can you imagine that? They were in the middle of the sea, remember that? So Jesus gets into the boat and they were in Capernaum. Friends, I don't know how it happened, but it's a miracle. Jesus knows. There's two miracles here. And both these miracles that we saw over the last two weeks teaches us a lesson. And the feeding of the 5,000 show God's provision for us. Yes? And if you look at the book of Psalm chapter 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He feeds us. He looks after us. Yes? And then we find just closely after that, this miracle the miracle of walking on the water and it shows God's protection for us. God's protection for us. In that same psalm he says, Yeah, though I walk through a valley of death, of the shadow of death, I will no fear, no evil, for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let us take comfort this morning. One of the biggest things people fear is what's going to happen to us tomorrow. Where am I going to get food to eat? He feeds you. And what is going to happen to us protection? He will protect you. Let's pray.